0: Hello, I'm Daniel Davis, and you are listening to the Gospel Project for Adults weekly leader training podcast. This week, we are on Unit 22, Session 3, titled Jesus Over Sickness. Chapters 8 and 9 in Matthew's Gospel are a collection of stories, true, real-life accounts, showing the healing power of Jesus. In these narratives, leading up to our focal passages today, Jesus touched a leper to cleanse him. He healed the servant of a centurion who understood true authority. He cured Peter's mother-in-law. He cast out demons and sent them into pigs. And he commanded a paralytic to get up and walk. Matthew wanted his readers to clearly see that Jesus heals. Some people followed Jesus to see a spectacle, to see him do miraculous healings. Some followed out of jealousy to see when he might mess up or fail miserably. But what Jesus wanted from his followers whether they be his close-knit disciples or the people who sought him out in desperation, Jesus wanted their faith. And in keeping with that desire, Jesus healed those who acted with faith in him. In point one, we see that the Son of David responds to humble faith. In all three points, we refer to Jesus as the Son of David, because that is how a couple of people called for Jesus in point three. We'll talk about that title more in a few minutes. For this point looking at Matthew 9, 18-25, you will notice that we skip over a few verses. We pick up those verses 20-22 through in point 2. This way we can look at three distinct healings through the three points of this session. In this first one, a Jewish leader came to Jesus seeking his help because the man's daughter had just died. Mark 5 and Luke 8 tells us explicitly that this was a synagogue leader and his name was Jairus. From reading the Gospels, we would immediately categorize this man as one who might have followed Jesus out of jealousy, to see the new rabbi fail. But a tragedy in his family immediately changed his perspective. Instead of looking for a failure, he came hoping for a miracle. This leader's posture towards Jesus illustrates what biblical humility looks like. When we come to the end of ourselves, and long before then if we are wise, we will come to Jesus and kneel down before him, acknowledging him as our only hope for life out of death. The leader comes desperate and humble, and he comes in faith, saying, Come, lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus does. He responds to this man's faith, goes to his house, takes the little girl by the hand, and raises her up from the dead. So confident of the miracle he is about to perform, because he is the all-powerful God in flesh, Jesus refers to the girl's state of being dead as if she were asleep. This confuses the mourners gathered there, so much so that they laugh at Jesus. But what he said was true. He went in and woke the girl up. And this saying of sleep in the place of death is used elsewhere in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapters 4 through 5, for example, to refer to the death of Christians awaiting the future resurrection at Jesus' second coming. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, never to die again, and he has secured eternal life for those who have faith in him, then the death of a believer can truly be viewed as one who has fallen asleep, peacefully awaiting the day when Jesus comes to wake us up again, to be with Him forever as whole people, body and soul. In point two, we see the Son of God respond to bold faith. This narrative takes place in the middle of the previous one. After Jesus had been visited by the Jewish leader, and He gets up to go to the man's house, on the way a woman touches the end of His robe, and this halts the procession. The woman had an ailment that had caused her to be in a state of bleeding for twelve years. The physical aspect of that would be depressing enough for a person in our day. But in hers, the state of bleeding also meant that she was considered unclean according to the Law of Moses. And everything and everyone she touched would become unclean as well. For her, this meant isolation from people and exclusion from access to the religious venues of her faith, including the synagogue in her town. And the temple in Jerusalem. As an illustration, the writer recalls the advised quarantine protocols for COVID-19 that separated people from their families in an effort to protect their health. No need to debate about those protocols, but the illustration works for the pain and heartache people felt at the forced separation from human interaction and touch that we so desperately need from our family and friends. We endured that for months, maybe a year or two, but this woman was going on 12 years. I think it ought to be mentioned in this case. The woman's isolation was according to the good law of God. We should be careful not to disparage God's law here in our explanation of the social situation of this woman. The laws for isolation served to protect the people at large from infections and diseases, and they illustrated the absolute holiness of God's presence that ought not to be violated by humans. But as the Apostle Paul points out, the law was also meant to point forward to the one who would fulfill the law on our behalf, through his absolute perfection. Whether this woman understood this fact or not, the law and her twelve years of isolation had led her to this point of desperation and boldness when she reached out to that very one who fulfilled the law. In Jesus' reply, your faith has saved you. Faith was required for her healing. And faith is the requirement for salvation as well, our ultimate healing from sin and death. One last note on this point. The woman's issue of bleeding made her unclean, and that ritual uncleanness spread to everyone she touched. Except in this case. The perfect Son of God cannot be corrupted. Later, as 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, Jesus would be made to be sin for us so that He could die in our place. But that didn't change His essential holiness. And He died for our sins so that in Him, by faith, we might become the righteousness of God. In this exchange with the woman, we see the exchange that we experience through faith in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Jesus didn't become unclean, but His power healed her and made her clean, restoring her to full fellowship with God and others. By faith in Jesus, this same restoration is true of us when we come homely and boldly knowing He is faithful and true to His word to save those who come to Him in faith. In point three, we see the Son of David responding to desperate faith. Two blind men called out for the Son of David to have mercy on them and heal them. The Son of David is a reference to the promised Messiah, the forever king God promised to send for an eternal throne in the lineage of King David. Without seeing physically, they saw by faith the reality of Jesus' identity as this Messiah, who, according to Luke 4 and Isaiah 61, was sent to preach good news to the poor, release the captives, set free the oppressed, and grant recovery of sight to the blind. Jesus asked them one simple question, Do you believe that I can do this? And they responded in faith, so Jesus opened their eyes to see. and Amazingly, their first sight of the promised Messiah they had believed in and hoped for. Then Jesus gives these two men a curious command. In short, he says, don't tell anyone. This was probably to minimize Jesus' exposure and permit him to focus on the main idea of his ministry, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. But these men, who once were blind and now could see, went out to spread far and wide the news of what Jesus had done for them. I find this curious and convicting. When these men are told to keep their good news under wraps, they couldn't help but broadcast it to the whole area. When we are told to take the gospel to the nations, we, and I'm particularly looking at myself, often act as if we have been told to make sure that no one finds out. May that not be the case. May we have the boldness of these men But do so in a way that obeys our Savior, to go and make disciples, teaching them all that Jesus has commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus responded to those who came to Him in faith for physical healing. In our day, we should be careful not to presume upon God's healing power just because we have faith. But neither should we discount the will and power of God to bring healing to our lives and the lives of our loved ones. Yet we must remember that these healings served a purpose. They backed up Jesus' preaching ministry, revealed His identity, and in this session, revealed the necessity of faith for salvation. So, in a greater way than physical healing, all who come to Jesus in faith for salvation from sin are forgiven and restored with God and with others. In short, saved. Because we believers in Christ have been saved through faith in Jesus, We ought to strive to live out our faith each day, trusting in God to supply all of our needs so we can make sure everyone finds out the good news of Jesus who has saved us and will save more. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.